As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everybody. You are here with us, Mav Sports Take. This is episode 33, where you're linking podcast for sports, business, and more. Here we tackle the business of all news you hear about. What are you laughing about, David? You're here with us. We're hanging with us. You've been here long enough. You're here with us. You do the intro, dude. You do the intro next time, all right? I'm here with David Turner, who was an 18-year scouting vet across the NFL, CFL, and Arena League. He's got my brain all going in 100 100 different directions already tonight. But we wish you all a great evening of football talk here with us, where we're going to be talking some free agency recaps, some Isaiah Wilson saga, which we have to dissect this firmly, especially with the NFL draft very near here. I think it's like 37 days away. Want to talk a little bit about the evaluation process, but from the interview process, like was this something Isaiah Wilson that maybe people should have expected? Was there something written in the tea leaves about this? We're going to talk about that kind of side of the scouting world. And of course, we're going to be taking mailbags from all you wonderful people And we thank you all for joining us now for this 33rd episode live here on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at NFL Draft Bible on the live stream for Twitter is where most of you I know are seeing us right now. We thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for the mailbag questions. And I know, David, I usually start you off by asking how you are, but since you interrupted my, my, uh, my intro, I don't know if I want to ask you anymore, but how are you, my friends? Hey, I'm fresh off the kids' show. You know, I came uh, to, to the profits. What are they, what are they called? The Prospect profits, man. Prospect profits. Uh, the kids' show, as I call them. I love them. Uh, you know, we just fresh off that. We did a team building Tuesday. We're actually, I think they called it a, a, 
uh, roster fixing Friday or something. We're going to do another Ooh. three on Friday this week. So this way we can every week we do th- or twice a week. We'll do three teams, get through all 32 teams. By the time the draft comes up, we can talk about who's uh, who's doing what on roster building. And I'm excited for tonight that it's me and you. And we're going to get into a little bit of our expertise, my team building expertise and your draft expertise. We're going to talk some of the free agency and read the tea leaves on what what's going on in the NFL for some of these teams and try to give some people a peek behind the curtain. So this is a, this is the kind of show I really get excited for because it, it, it's something that we could just sit and talk ball, you and I together. Yep, absolutely. We're talking about team building tonight. We don't have any interviews for you, but what we have is we're going to talk about the free agency. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about the evaluation process. We're going to give you this real team building feel. You know, I noticed David every week I ask you how you are. You never ask me how I am. Did you ever know? Because you're a new dad. Nobody cares about new dads. Wow. It's how's your wife? How's your kid? How's your daughter? <laughs> Wonderful. They're, they're doing yeah. well. That's yeah. that's all. That's all. Dads don't matter anymore. When as soon as like when you're a husband, you still matter. Like people go, "How your wife? How are you doing?" But once you become a dad, it's it's over. Like it's no, just like, it's "How's your kids doing? How's your wife doing?" Sure. Nothing about you. And I've learned that a long time ago because I got four. So I'm just like, "Yeah, nobody's giving shit about me for a long time." <laughs> Solid point. Solid point. I would say also I have a popcorn kernel stuck in my tooth, and that is the worst feeling of all time. Absolutely, I would say. I don't know. I don't know. If no, I, I, you know, stepping on a Lego. Wait till your kid starts playing with Legos, and then you not. step on a Lego in the middle of the night. Oh no, that's worse. I'm telling you, she's, she's not allowed to have Legos. So I'm gonna send that. her like the little ones, so they get caught in the carpet. Just a little one, so you just hit it right when you tuck her in. You turn her out. She goes down, and then you just can't cuss because your foot's on fire, but she's asleep and. <laughs> That's the worst position to be in. All right. Well, I, I don't want to even think about that for now. I'll leave that for a future date. Before we get into free agency, want to let you know here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we would like to say to you, if you're in college looking to improve your recruiting department to maximize the transfer portal, high school recruiting, and junior college transfers to turn your program around quickly, David Turner has 19 years of per- personnel experience in 10, uh, 10 years NFL experience managing college scouting departments as well as pro personnel departments. Mavericks is primed and ready to work with your existing staff and coaches to build you a recruiting department that will mirror your efforts to the coaching department. Let Ma- David and Maverick Sports Consulting assist you building a championship team in 2021 at mavericksportsconsulting.com. So how we're going to work this is we're going to talk about some free agency. We're going to talk about it from a team scope perspective. We're going to talk about three teams each that impressed us, that we feel like took a nice step forward here. Because I saw a great quote today that was, hey, free agency is about about filling needs, and then draft is about finding value. So we're looking at teams that found a lot, filled a lot of needs, getting ready for this draft process, getting ready for the 2021 NFL season. David, I'm going to let you start here. A team that overall has impressed you so far. You know, I don't think this is going to catch anybody off guard who listens to the show and knows me well that I'm going to start right where my humble beginnings kind of were at the, you know, at the whole time is the New York football giants. I mean, thinking about what this is a plan that is getting executed like an orchestra, like right now, you, you, you saw holes at backup running back, wide receiver, tight end, uh, defensive end, linebacker, and corner. 
and they've went out and they've not only signed a slew of one-year deals, they signed they signed guys for two, three, four years. You know, this is a team that has had some gaps. You know, ben, Dave's been, you know, Dave Gettleman's been criticized for not having the right people in play and that he's not drafted correctly and stuff. But here you go. He's found his holes. He's signed guys like Galloway for a four-year, $72 million deal. I mean, Galloway, think about this. A few years ago, OD, ODB or ODJ um, got a huge deal, top dollar out of the New York Giants. Then they traded him out of there to Cleveland. And now they're bringing in a guy like Gal- Galladay for a four-year, 72. That's a heck of a value. Heck of a value. Booker, which I don't under, I didn't really get this. I know they need a backup running back, but I didn't really get it a little bit. But two years, sixty or six million dollars, right? They have uh, John Ross, which again is one I didn't understand because I think they have better than Ross on the roster. He loves injured wide receivers. He's like Galladay's coming off an injury. John Ross is always hurt. Give me all the injured wide receivers. Come on down. Well, you know, again, Ross, I don't get. I'm going to say that that this is one I don't get. But he's only he's a one year deal with only one million guaranteed, and a veteran minimum is nine hundred and twenty thousand dollars. So he's you know the really only. Exactly. They're basically getting them for a minimum deal, but a Kyle Rudolph, because I'm not a big fan of Ingram. So seeing Kyle Rudolph get there and he's been underappreciated in Minnesota for two years and and $12 million with a signing bonus of 4.5, you know, and a max value of 14 million. That's a heck of a value. And then the the defensive end that they got from Minnesota to complement and go opposite side of Williams. Say it. No, I'm not going to say it because I can't do it. You know I can't do it. He's the Minnesota defensive end. On this show, he'll be referred to as the Minnesota defensive end. <laughs> and the Minnesota defensive end, for anybody that's, that hasn't seen the news, Ifyadi Odenigbo is who David Turner is talking about. Go ahead, David. <laughs> Thank you. And he signed a one-year deal for $2.5 million. And then getting Leonard Williams on off the franchise tag, on a on a long term deal, you know he agreed to a three year deal worth sixty three million dollars. So now you got the Minnesota guy on one side, Williams on the other side, and they address some linebacker help here with Reggie Raglan. And you know I know you're not a big fan of Jackson, but 2019 he played really well. And again, they're trying to get that back into it, putting him opposite side. But they didn't just go sign a one year deal; it's a three year deal. So they sewed up with stitches, not band aids. They stitched up a lot of good holes in their in their roster with real legit guys that can pan out and perform right away. And now they have a draft strategy where they can come in the backside and draft younger behind these guys. They can draft some other positions that they might need younger guys at. But I think this plan is being or- orchestrated really well. You forgot the most important signing. When Daniel Jones stinks halfway through the season they got michael lennon now so yeah i don't like michael lennon i never I have know, I, know. I never have and you know that i was i avoided that one for a reason because <laughs> the mike lennon and the glenn honestly the mike lennon and the john ross two were like ones i could do without like i was really yeah. like i don't need those two but you know it is what it is so Leonard Williams, again, like David said, they originally franchise tagged and they signed to a three-year, $63 million deal. He had an outstanding season, obviously, this past year in 2020. I think he had like 11 and a half sacks, an absolute insane number for an interior defensive lineman. Adoree Jackson, who was just released by the Tennessee Titans, he gets a three-year, $39 million contract, which very talented player. Just it's a little rich for my blood for what he is at the moment. Kenny Galladay is the big guy, of course. Four years, 
72 mil, which is $18 million a year and uh, 40 million fully guaranteed. So they went bank to try to improve the skill position as well with a guy like Galladay. Now pair him well, with look at the Clayton. length they added with Galladay. Like they totally got the length. They He's did six four. Argument. They can they can come back later in the draft. Maybe get a Nico Collins with another big receiver or something like that. It doesn't make that first spot a guaranteed receiver now. So yeah. and and they and they have the other guys like Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. And yeah, that that are smaller, that run good routes, can run after the catch. But now they got the length that I know Gettleman likes there with Gall- Galladay. And in the draft, they can draft another big guy and have him there. Hey, if Kenny Galladay is healthy, I'm good with it. Just he's coming off an injury that just kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I know he's been a really good player when he's on the field. Just got to hope for health, obviously. If you if you disagree with anything David Turner says during this podcast, or you have a question, throw it in the chat. We're, again, we're live here. On Twitter, Twitch. Feel free to be brave enough to disagree with me. Feel Feel free. free. Feel free. Um, So let's take it to a draft perspective now, David. You you mentioned a little bit, right? Maybe a wide receiver at some point. For me, that 11th pick has been so hard to mock. The positions that I keep going back to is like, hey, dream world. Micah Parsons is sitting there, right? Like that's my dream world. That face in the middle of the defense. Um, I I think that that would make it, you know, that would be a home run pick. Defensive end, even though they got a guy like Adenigbo, who's a, a solid contributor, I think adding to that pass rush, like you can never have a good pass rush either way. So adding a guy like that, maybe a Greg Rousseau, maybe um, maybe Ojolari coming out of Georgia, even though I don't think stylistically he's a Gettleman type of pass rusher, you know, a defensive end. So that might not be a good fit, but that's kind of what I'm thinking in my mind. And offensive line. I think can always be improved, even though you have the two young tackles in Andrew Thomas from last year and Matt Pert, who I was a good, big fan of, the right tackle uh, out of UConn. Interior still has some question marks, and I wouldn't rule out still taking a wide receiver, honestly. I really wouldn't, even though you said maybe we could put that on the back burner. If a guy like a Jalen Waddle who is healthy and is sitting there at 11, I would 100% think about it personally. Well, again, I, I'm not putting it out of the picture, but it doesn't make it a priority. Now, by getting... Galladay, right, and having the young kids that you already have at receiver, it doesn't make it a a slam dunk, right? And let me give you this one. What if Kyle Pitts falls to 11? Well, (laughs) yeah, okay. Or, and and I think in our mock that we did on the kids show is, um, it it is a, is a situation where you got, um, I think we, we forecasted them to take the pass rusher out of Miami. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And and because he does remind me a little bit of JPP, how's J when JPP was coming out of Troy? That was my cop, dude. That yeah. Was my cop. I, he, he reminds me of him. But now remember the giant scheme is switched. When I was there and when Gettleman was there and they won their Super Bowls, they were a 43 team. They're a 34 team now. So if they're going 34 pass rusher, it's going to be a stand-up pass rusher that can put his hand down. And again, I think. I think the Miami kid has the athleticism, the length to do this. He's just raw. He'll need a year of, of development. And with yeah. who they have there now on defense, I think they bought the kid a year, bring him in on third down, let him just put his hand down, do some things in that hybrid style defense and let him, you know, go, go to town where he's best suited, which is pass rush while he develops the rest of his game. And I, you know, again, it's just exciting what they did early in this free agency period. They still have 
time. They still have cap room, you know, but I think the 11th pick again, Waddle would be great, but he kind of, they already have. And again, he's a rare talent. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but they have guys that are similar body type and stuff. They don't have the speed that he has in his playmaking ability. And, but again, they, it, they're not forced to take him. If they're not comfortable with the medical, they're not forced yeah. to take it. And again, sitting at 11, again, you might go draft a corner. What if you draft a corner? So now you have three good corners or you draft another safety to play with peppers or, you know, they just gave themselves flexibility. And if Michael Parsons is there, Michael Parsons, if he's there, they're running the card up. Don't get me wrong. They're running the card up. They're like, we got the lotto ticket. It's right here. And, and, you know, they're flying up there with it because I think he in the middle of that defense would be just superb. Oh, absolutely. Uh, hey. Micah Parsons to the green for to the Green Bay. I don't think he'll be there, but I'm just saying if he yeah. if he is. There's there's some there's some whispers about some off field stuff. It's purely speculation at this point. Not nothing that I can, you know. Well, yeah, I don't think we they'll they'll vet vet them all really well, you know. Yeah. So absolutely. So let's move on to the next team. I'm going to throw a team out there, David. This is a team that is a little bit of a different situation. You just talked about a team that got a lot of new pieces. Got a lot of new toys. We're trying to build this roster up. We're trying to buy ourselves a little bit of time. We're trying to grow this roster. That's that's how we, the Giants kind of took about this free agency period. For me, or now we're looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did something a little differently. They said, this is our core. We need to keep this intact because we still have Tom Brady for maybe another year, maybe more. I don't know. That guy seems like he's never going to stop playing. But for now... Defending Super Bowl champs are trying to keep the core together. So they threw contracts at Chris Godwin, who they franchised. They got Rob Gronkowski back on a one-year $8 million deal, who was obviously instrumental for them in the playoffs. How come I can't get a one-year $8 million deal? That's kind of BS. If I had $8 million, I would not give it to you, but I would think about it. Okay, I appreciate you thinking about it. That is very nice of you. So I can do. And then they got Shaquille Barrett, pass rusher back, four years, 68 mil. Obviously a nice little deal, but like we said already, can never have a nice pass rushers, right? So Shaq Barrett back to the team. And then for me, maybe the biggest one, maybe not from the overall impact, but getting Levante David, who's been a stalwart on that defense and a consistent player for so long and has the leadership qualities, to get him back in free agency too is such a big deal for me. Why are you laughing? Because I'm reading the comments from the, the room. Are you reading the room? I, I, I just I, I wasn't reading it when I was talking, and now I'm just catching up. And, <laughs> and it's just cracking me up. Sorry. It wasn't about you. I was reading the, the comments in the room. I thought I said something silly. I thought there was something on my face, you know? Like I said, no, ridiculous. No, that, that, that popcorn kernel's still in there pretty, pretty solid. You're good. I'm trying to get it out. I honestly, <laughs> I'm working on it as I'm talking. But yeah, so for me, they maintained, they didn't make any splashy move um, unless you were considering re-signing Ryan Suckup, a flashy move. Like, they just are getting their core back. They're keeping it intact. And this team is obviously still a Super Bowl contending team because they're coming off a Super Bowl and they didn't lose anybody of huge note. So they are keeping everybody in-house. They are ready to go. Probably going to draft an offensive tackle in the first round. That's, like, my mindset because Donovan Smith's been kind of up and down at left tackle. But for me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – Keeping the core intact was huge for them in this free agency cycle. I was really surprised they got Barrett back. That was the one that surprised yeah. me because even though a lot of teams had to cut cap and cut, you know, get get um, 
make cap room and make veteran cuts. I didn't think they were going to be able to afford Barrett. I really didn't. Um, for them to get him back, that was really surprising. I think Gronk, as long as Brady's there, Gronk's going to figure out a way to play with him, and and that's just his best friend. There's no taxes. It up, dude. He's going to yeah. tape it up, throw some dirt in it. Yep, he's going to be Yeah, there. Yeah, you know, he's going to he's gonna look. What's that, the Winter Soldier? After he's done, he's going to get just like a bionic arm put Doesn't in. Doesn't he already? Know? Doesn't he already? <laughs> I, mean. I mean, it's just going to be like Winter Soldier style there. He's going to become the White Wolf, you know. Well, so they have obviously the 32nd pick, which for most teams would be a luxury pick, right? Like I think about the Kansas City Chiefs taking a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just because they could take a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the running back at LSU last year. For me, I think Kansas City does – I can't say. I think Tampa Bay does have a couple needs. Like I said, offensive tackle, even though they got Shaq Barrett and JPP still in the building, like I wouldn't rule out them getting a younger pass rusher to be to wait in the wings and give them some flexibility on third downs. And I think that secondary still can still be improved. So for me, like who do, offensive- you, say, who do you think late in the like thirty second pick, who's going to be sitting there that you think would be targets for them? Like one or two players off, you know? Yeah. Now for me, it's so we're talking offensive tackle. I think the dream is that Sam Cosme from Texas falls to you. I don't think he's going to be there. I think he's probably in the twenties. Is probably his floor because he just tested out of his mind. And you know how much I value the athleticism at that position, especially on the blind side. So I think Sam Cosby and I'd be there. Spencer Brown for me, dude, like Northern Iowa. I know I keep talking about him, but David, did you see the testing that he put up the other day or yesterday, by the way? So he was well, six, eight and a half. I don't think he's a left tackle. I think he's a right tackle. I think Why can't he play left? Why? He's got all the I, tools. Why I'll be honest left? with you. I don't, I don't see it. I don't, don't see it. the I don't see the foot quickness to play left tackle. His testing was amazing, amazing, but it does but it doesn't translate. When I saw him play at the Senior Bowl to on the field, I think. But I think he's a an all pro style, all all league type right tackle. I really do. And could he play left tackle in a pinch? Yes. But I think this is a guy that again, at thirty two, you take him. In our mock draft on Prospect Profits, we had the Giants taking them in the, you know, their fifth pick or whatever overall in the in the second round um, and running the card up there. Because I think if he's still there by the Giants in the second round, I mean, they, they got to be running up to get this kid. I mean, he's he, to me, he's a very good young right tackle. And again, for what you're saying at Tampa Bay at 32, I think if they draft him to play right tackle, it's a great value pick there. If he turns out to be left tackle, it's superb value. Well, well, I think they can figure it out either way because I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not really on the on the train of like just moving guys to make things fit. Is it, in this degree, like Tristan Wirfs last year was one of the maybe the best right tackle in football. Like he was phenomenal. And he's certainly athletic enough to play left tackle. So, like, do you toy with moving him to left tackle and making room for Spencer Brown if that's what makes sense as the best player on the board potentially? That's a conversation maybe you have internally you at least think about. If I'm going on the defensive side of the ball, like I said, I think getting a young pass rusher to learn underneath those two veterans is a potentially really good fit. Jason Oway from Penn State, even though I don't think he's a top 32 player right this second. Like, he's not going to come in day one and impact this football game, when we're talking about traits and the ability to what his upside could be, learning from a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul, I think would do so much for a guy like Jason Oway because he has all those tools. 
260. Apparently runs in the four threes or four fours. Like this dude was made in a lab. He was he's an alien. So getting him around a guy like Jason Pierre Paul, who came in also as a raw toolsy player that has now built into what he is now. For me, that makes a ton of sense. Having a guy that is kind of under the tutelage of an under older vet like a JPP. And that makes a lot of sense. Again, getting a pass rusher like that that's modeled in this defense similar to the guy you already have, the veteran you have there. So watching that guy in practice every day, picking up the little tidbits here and there, I mean, it makes a lot of sense too. Great value at 32. This is a draft at 32. I think they're going to find value at a position that and a position of need, whether it's offensive line, pass rush, maybe even secondary. You know, this is a position where I think that they're they're in a really good position this year. And honestly, I see a team in this probably in the second round trading up to get that thirty second pick, mm-hmm. and then yeah. they get traded back and and getting some really good value for it this year because they, again they need they need a few players, but this draft in the positions they need, it's pretty deep. So, yeah, you know, that 32nd pick, I think, is going to hold some good value for him this year. Yeah. And although I think offensive tackle is a definite need, having a guy like Tom Brady with that internal clock to get the ball out so quick, like that does kind of mask some deficiencies at times of offensive tackle. So that couple of positions, I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should definitely look at. David, you're next up. Give me another team. Let's hear it. Uh, well, I'm going back to the employers and I'm going to go back to Carolina. Because, you know, Carolina, when I watched I, 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 uh, last weekend, I was at the hub with Matt, uh, uh, Matt Allen, their pro director. And I just asked him casually, are you guys going to be, you know, uh, in the market much? And he said, you know, I don't think we're, we're going to do too much because they franchise tag Taylor Morton or Moton. I'm sorry. But yeah. then all of a sudden they came out swinging <laughs> and they found value. I mean, just all over the place. But again. You didn't see one-year deals. You see a two-year deal for David Morton. You saw a two-year deal for Dan Arnold. You saw um, you know, a deal with Cam Irving. You saw a deal, a three-year deal with Pat uh, Alifi. I don't know, the offensive guard. Elfline. 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 You got John Miller agreeing to a one-year deal, but then you got Morgan Fox to a two-year deal. And uh, another linebacker, um, Perryman, for a two-year deal. You got Hassan Reddick, who's a premier player in my opinion, For on a eight one mil, dude. Eight yeah. mil. That's insane. Yeah, eleven and a half sacks last year. That's what I'm saying. Like you didn't even pay him a million a sack. I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. And then they go and sign a, a one year deal with uh Melvin, and then they get their long snapper back too. So, you know, it it's like I didn't expect them to have like four or five signings and they come and run through the gambit and they, they clearly had their guys tagged, knew who they wanted to get, knew their price tags and how they can afford them. I think Scott Fitterer, Matt Allen, um, you know, Hammerhand, Rob Hammerhand there. I mean, they really need to seriously pat themselves on the back. They executed an incredible plan. They filled holes at tackle, uh, offensive guard. I mean, shoot, they, they got four offensive linemen all under their cap, and they didn't have a lot of cap room. So it was just – and then they went on the defensive side and got a D lineman and, and like I said, a premier, a couple premier 
uh, linebackers. So they did a heck of a job with very little money. They spent it wisely and they put a plan in place last year, a team that went all defense in the draft. They come back with some veteran leadership now to help that defense. And they still have their draft class to go to help address some holes on the offensive side, but they went and got four offensive linemen to come in and play and agree to agree to terms with them. And again, you don't see a lot of one-year deals. You see two and three-year deals. So they put stitching in these wounds, not band-aids. Well, I thought I thought Hassan Reddick was going to be a guy that might break the bank with the year that he had. He's only a one-year wonder. So I was like, oh, I'm very tentative to give one-year wonders these you know these back-breaking contracts. But to get him for one-year eight mil for a team, especially because he was a guy that hey, is he an off-ball linebacker? Is he going to play up as a pass rusher? Like, what is he? What's the best fit for him? Well, go into a team that is run by Matt Rule that is deploy- employing this positionless football. Like, who cares what he is? He's going to rush the <laughs> passer. He's going to be off ball at times. Like, who who cares? Who, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And getting him for $8 million for a single year, I mean, like, that is highway robbery for me because I thought he was going to break the bank. So, big-time stuff there. Draft-wise, what are we looking at now? They have the eighth pick overall, right? Quarterback. It's quarterback, David. It's quarterback. I think they're in the market. I think they're in the market. I think they're going to move up. I think they are ready to go. There's a lot of energy around this team. They're not, they're like two years away, in my opinion, for being a very good team. And I think that they're going to get their young quarterback here and really start this rebuild to the next step. Okay, draft guru. Who are they going up to get? Who are they going to go up to? And and don't tell me they're trading with the Atlanta Falcons because you know what? That's a divisional opponent and an ownership that don't like each other. You know, they they both came in. You know, Atlanta hasn't won a, a, a Super Bowl. Neither's Carolina. And these two organizations have had a bet going for years on who was going to win the first one. And when Atlanta went to the Super Bowl, Carolina thought it was over, and it's still running. So. Maybe you know, Miami Dolphins picking for They third. don't have enough draft capital to go to two. Three. 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 I'm I, sorry. They don't I, have I, enough draft capital to go to three for me. I give them a couple of future, future first, throw in a second. Um, oh, who, who's man, worth that? Who's worth that? Trey Lance. I knew you were going with Trey your boy. Lance, I knew you were going to say your boy. <laughs> Not boy, at three. Dude. No. Oh, boy. I, no. I, know, I know you hate it, but they still have Teddy Bridgewater on a very team-friendly deal. Teddy B about is that. good, bro. Teddy B is not good. Teddy, Teddy B, B is definition the of slightly below average. Like he is, he is. Dude, look at this room. Dude. Look He's at this. But they are not dude. trading up with Miami. It's not happening. <laughs> well, hey, it never go. All right, if it's not Miami, Cincinnati to five, maybe. Uh, Maybe because Cincinnati could do the draft math if they're smart and still get the offensive alignment they want back at eight. Dan, Dan, I love JC, but that team does not have a quarterback, so they need to they need to find out what they're doing. I think Trey Lance is the guy, man. I know I keep saying it, David. We'll see what happens with him. No, in a I know. Years. I think Trey Lance fits their system. You and I talk about it. He does I think, he really I think does. Trey Lance is a good pickup for them? And with Teddy B there, there's not pressure to start this year. I think it's great. You know, I think they can do it and everything. So trust me, I I understand like the benefit of a Trey Lance getting drafted there. I just see the position for Trey Lance somewhere between five and eight, like in between there. I don't maybe see it. maybe falls to eight then. Maybe falls eight. But that's what I'm saying. Like that I think a team would trade up in front of Carolina to get Trey Lance if Trey Lance clears four. 
Like if Trey Lance clears four, I think there's going to be a team that wants Trey Lance because now it becomes affordable to trade up to get him. Broncos, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that's a big jump, though. I think it, it would have to be a team between 12 and 8 to come up to 4 with the draft capital needed yeah. to get a Trey Lance. I just don't see anybody outside of 12, and, and I don't see anybody you know, from that can ha- that can afford mm-hmm. and that would pay the price to go up to two or three to get them. I get you. I get you. you know, do you know? Do you know what um Teddy B? You know what the B stands for? <laughs> Beautiful butt cheeks, dude. Butt oh cheeks. my god, Dan get Cassidy! Out. Shout out to Dan Cassidy. Yes, Dan. I would. I JC Horn was a great wide receiver in high school. I would play him a wide receiver too. Why not? Let's get it all going here. Teddy uh, I- B, baby. <laughs> David, am I up next? I don't even know. Am I? Yeah, up you're up next. You, you right. started this. <laughs> you right. started us down this road. You, dude, you. This is all your fault, all right? This is all your fault. I'm gonna throw out another team. All right, I feel like it's a team that we need to talk about because I think that there is a lot of good energy around them, even though the season did not end the best in Week 17 with the playoffs on the line against the Buffalo Bills. Of course, I'm talking about the Miami Dolphins, which. Was not pretty to end the year. I know there's some people that are very heavily questioning what's up with Tua Tagovailoa, but I really do think that Tua. I I believe in Tua. I think if he stays healthy, that he has a lot of a lot of things to work with, and I I like a lot of what Miami Dolphins did in free agency. I know they they in a trade they took a gamble on Isaiah Wilson that already did not work out, but for me, they got Will Fuller on a one year contract for just a little over ten million dollars guaranteed. For me, if you watch the Miami Dolphins last year, their biggest peccadillo down the stretch, their biggest negative is the fact of like, hey, man, they have nobody that can stretch the field. Everything is so condensed. The windows are so tight. All their guys are 50-50 guys. Will Fuller is legit 4-3 speed. He is an athlete who at worst – is going to be able to open things up a little bit for their other pass targets. And honestly, he was having a really darn good season before he got the PED suspension to end the year, but he was having a darn good year. So I think Will Fuller is a good value there. I like getting Matt Scora to replace their center. I think he's a better player. I don't think he's a great center, but I think he's a definite upgrade over what they had. And then I'm going to couple in Benardrick McKinney, a part of this free agency period, even though he was a part of a trade with the Houston Texans. They exchanged him for Shaq Lawson. For me, that's the other part about Miami's team. That When you're looking at it, you're saying that linebacker court is bad. Like Jerome Baker's an okay, will run and chase backer. Their linebackers have not been good in a couple years. Now, Bernard McKinney is an immediate upgrade to them. They get a couple depth pieces like Adam Butler, who's a very solid football player, defensive tackle. Justin Coleman had a really good stretch in 2020 and then kind of faded down the stretch, but he showed some good stuff. And then Jacoby Brissett, for me, is a really good backup quarterback at worst. So I I like a lot of what Miami Dolphins did. I think that there's good energy in the room. I think they made a couple of slam dunk uh, free agent pickups. And for me, I think that this is a good young roster that's going to continue to grow. Well, yeah, you think about it. The coach, I mean, they won 10 games last year. Don't I mean, that's, I mean, yep. usually 10 games is the is the marker you're getting in the playoffs, right? Like you won 10 games, even losing the last game, you won 10 games. So, you know, and I think the plan started to come into play last draft, like last free agency. They kind of sat by. I didn't I didn't think they did a whole lot. And, you know, it was what it was. But last draft, 
seeing what Chris Greer and the and and um, Richard Richard is it Chris Richard the the coach? Um, Brian you know Flores. what Ryan Floor? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What they did, they did a great job teaming up, finding players in the draft that really mesh well with his system, and and then you know they went shopping for him. They did a great job there. Now you're seeing them come back in a free agency period to fill some gaps, fill some holes, and and really start, like you said, getting a guy like Will Fuller, who I'm not a big fan of, but I know he's a Notre Dame oh. guy, so you're always going to love him. And, yeah, and good year last year before he got suspended. Good year. Yeah. So you know, and here's here's a situation where you add a piece to complement who you drafted last year and what you had going. And it, you know, again, it has all the legs to work out for you. What they did this season to build off ten wins, I mean, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a thing to be saying if you're a Miami fan. I mean, you're building off ten wins. So you know, if you build a team that hits twelve, you you might be winning the division or the conference, uh, maybe even the division next year or the division, maybe even the conference next year with twelve wins. So you know, I think this year's draft will be interesting for them. I still think they need to add a little bit more pass rush. They got really good value on the offensive line that they they drafted last year. Uh, I think at, by the end of the year, all three of the players they drafted throughout the draft started and played for them. So, you know, again, it's very impressive with what they did. Yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely agree that pass rusher for me is a big need. I know um, Emmanuel Ogba had a pretty good year for them last year. I had like nine sacks, nine and a half sacks, somewhere in that ballpark. For me, that's second pick the 18th overall pick, that's the spot where, like, best pass rusher available, whether that's Aziz Ojolari or Greg Rousseau or Jalen Phillips from Miami as well. One of Phillips those might guys, be a little high at 18 because of the concussion issues. Yeah, he, he is. I will admit, David, that would scare me 100%. But if he is cleared, I don't know what the long-term effects are going to look like for him with that recurring issue. Um, he was clear that he was fine, completely fine the last two years so, like, we'll see what's happening. Obviously, that's a potentially very, you know, troubling injury. Um, you know, c- continuous injury with it with uh, head with a head injury like that with trauma. So, we'll see what happens if he if he's fine though, and they are comfortable with it. He is very worthy of that 18th pick, in my opinion. So, oh yeah, play skill yeah. wise, yes, a hundred percent. I I just think a player uh, injury history like that for me. Yeah, it's it's hard at eighteen because you're in the top twenty players, and there's other players that are worthy of that pick too, still yeah. sitting there. So that that's all, you know. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, and that, that's why I listed him third, a, a part of Azizo Jalari, and Greg Russo. Like those are the guys that I would be honing in on, and then I would think about Phillips depending on how the board falls. The third pick, obviously, is what everybody wants to talk about. If you're staying at three. You're taking Penny Sewell, in my opinion, the offensive lineman out of Oregon, offensive tackle. That's who I'm taking. I don't. I best player available. Who are the Jets taking at two? I'm hearing quarterback. Maybe we'll see. That ain't happening. Well, if if Penny Sewell's off the board at two, then that number three overall pick for a quarterback is going to be a hot button pick. So now we're trading back. So Miami's a trade back team. Yes. Why not? Why? 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 Because no. Zach Wilson can't play. Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback. What if Zach Wilson's the second pick, though? Then I'm talking about that third pick after Zach Wilson. I'm well, what I'm saying is Zach Wilson goes to the Jets. I'm going to go up and kick Joe Douglas in the ding-ding. I'm because not, it's, I'm not, it's not – he's not the guy. 
I'm not picking for the Jets. I'm just telling you what the whispers are, man. I'm just yeah, the whispers are to, to smokescreen. They're smokescreen. Right. Jake Locker once went top 10. I mean, it happens, man. Yeah, it but he happens. didn't go two. He didn't go Daniel three. Jones, Daniel Jones went six, and he stinks. I mean, it happens, man. It Daniel happens. Jones does not stink. The offensive line might be a little questionable. Oh, he stinks. He stinks. He stinks. Stop it. Stop it. Anyway, all right. So if, three, if we're at three and – there's only been one quarterback off the board. I think that that is a good trade back situation. If we're talking about a quarterback getting picked at two, Penny Sewell's the guy. I don't think that they're going to stick at three and take a wide receiver. I think if they're trading back, then the wide receiver is there where we're in play now. I think that that is the spot. No, I think you're right. I do. I think if you're sitting at if you're sitting at three, it's going to be a great trade back spot, and I think you you might get a trade back to six, seven, maybe even the Panthers pay the price to come up to three to get your boy Lance. I think it's a deep it's a it's a hard price to pay, but if again if Rule thinks it and Fit thinks it's the right guy for them, they come up from eight to three and they take their quarterback. And like you said, you're still sitting at eight, probably with no receivers off the board yet. And you can you have the pick of the litter of who you yeah, want, yep. and you got a lot of and you got a lot of other picks for that for that five spots. Absolutely, yeah. Scott Scotty F, make it happen, baby. Trade up, David Turner. Last team that you felt feel is a winner for free agency. Well, I'm going to say you know one the one, I'm going to give my construction award. Ooh. This is the the first ever construction award. I like it. To the New England Patriots. <laughs> 15 to 18 contracts, trades, and different transactions in, in the time period that they did within like six days. I want to talk about rebuilding a roster. This is yeah. a construction award right here. I mean, really I'm again, let's let's not just sit here and say we don't like this one, we don't like that one. Let's ask personnel guys. I don't think I've ever seen in free agency, 15 to 18 moves done in the first five, six days of free agency. I mean, they went and got Cam Newton back at a very cheap price. I don't care what is a very for cheap good price. reason. For good yeah, reason. but it's still a very cheap price. They got um, Nelson uh, Aguilar for a two-year deal. They got Kendrick Burney uh, for a three-year deal. So two receivers locked up long-term. Again, put stitches in it there. They went and got Hunter Henry, who's a guy you like, I know, for a three-year. Like huh? I do like Hunter Henry. He's very solid tight end. That's what I'm saying. And you got him on a three-year deal. You got uh, Juno Smith on a four-year deal. You that traded is. the you traded the Vegas team like a fifth-round pick for Trent Brown, a that starting level. That That's what I'm saying, a left tackle. Then you get yeah. two centers between Andrews on a four-year deal and a solid backup in Ted Karras on a one-year deal for $4 million. Um, you know, you flip to the defensive side of the ball, you got defensive end, uh, Dietrich Wise. Dietrich Wise. Yeah, yeah four-year deal. I mean, these aren't the, you know, Bilicek and the team didn't just go do a bunch of one-year deals. They constructed a team now of veterans on two to four year deals, and we're not even done yet. You got uh, Henry Adams on a two year deal. You got Matt Judon, a uh, four year line, a four year deal for this linebacker. You got Kyle Vandenroy, a two year contract. You know who you just lost what to Miami last year in free agency, and you got him back at a bargain on a two year deal. Uh, they re signed Bethel 
on a three-year deal. They got Jalen Mills, uh, Jalen Mills on a four-year deal. He stinks, but I, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying. And then you got Cody Davis on a two-year deal. I mean, you, all this is just like again, he constructed a roster with 15 to 18 veterans on two to four-year deals. So he's not looking for not just this year, but next year and the year after. He's had to do heavy lifting because his drafting's not been great. Right. But he, he really put his pro department to the test here to get all this done. He had the cap room, and he said instead of sitting and waiting on the cap room, I'm going to I'm gonna just put it to use, and not just for this year, but two to three years down the line. Like He constructed this roster for the for a run for the next two to three years. Look, I love getting Trent Brown back for almost nothing, right? David Andrews coming back. You're solidifying your offensive line. I like the two tight ends they got. You mentioned John Smith, Hunter Henry. Nelson Aguilar, I'm not there, man. I know he had a pretty solid year in Las Vegas this past year, but like if you watched his career in Philadelphia, that dude is the definition of a roller coaster. I am passing on that one. I think that they overpaid Matt Judon, even though he's a solid football player. There's a lot of overpaying here. I think there's a little bit of overcompensation now for Bill in the post-Tom Brady era where he's panicking a little bit, to be honest, even though you know it is in theory because he doesn't draft very well. But speaking of drafts, 15th overall, David Turner, this is my biggest thing with the New England Patriots. They're in trouble, man. They're in trouble. Not because their roster isn't okay. They, They signed some good football players. Where, what are they doing at quarterback? What are they doing long-term at quarterback? And at 15, I would love to mock them a quarterback. I would love for them to be able to trade up for a quarterback. But at 15, there is, like, no chance. Like, what are you going to I would rather them fix a different hole at 15. Right. That's and what then, I'm saying. And, and then be honest, in the second round, in the second round, there, you and you know it. where I'm going in the second Don't round. Say it. Don't you know where I'm going. You already know the road. The road goes to Florida. Uh, I think. I think you get Kyle Trask because uh, Kyle Trask might not be a Cam Newton, not even close as athletically. But I think Kyle Trask would fit a a system, a scheme closer to what Tom Brady used to fill with the role than uh, even you know even uh, Cam does. So I think I think you might be you might to me it's either that or maybe a Mac Jones or something in the second round. Mac, that, dude, they're gonna they're gonna pick Mac Jones at fifteen, David. They're, they're not gonna pick 15. Mac Jones at fifteen. That's He's going guy. top twenty, my friend. He's not going top. 20. I would not never take Mac Jones anywhere close to that. But I'm telling there's, you right now, there's too many players that are are worthy of that. That that again, Billich again, no, that's not happening. But again, at fifteen. I think, you know, again, looking at their roster, they can add another receiver, a very quality receiver at 15. I think they can add a quality pass rusher at 15. I think they can get a very good linebacker at 15, a premier possible uh, corner at 15. Like there's still going to be depth on the draft board at 15 that they can go and pull the trigger on. And on draft day, we'll be like, yep, that was a good pick there. But again, quarterback is not going to be the pick at 15 for us to go, yep, that was a good pick there. I think the second round, a quarterback will be like, okay, I can see that. They need to dress that position. That's a good value pick in the second round at that spot. I, I So my most recent mock that I did, I gave them a wide receiver. I gave them Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota at the 15th pick. 
Oh, I think I that's think, too hard for Bateman. That's too. Oh hard. man. Oh man. Well, at that point, I had three wide receivers off the board. So who'd you have off the board? Uh, Waddle, Smith, and Chase all were off the board at that point. So that was actually before free agency as well. So that's I was going to say, yeah, I it's because you like to. It's because oh. you like to do your mock drafts before before the tea leaves are even in okay, the glass. We do, we do we do them every week, you know. So we got, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to take the. Someone's got to be wrong every every week. Well, I mean, when you really think about it, whoever is doing a mock draft is wrong automatically. So, automatically. Right. So, But now we could do a mock draft because the tea leaves are out in the glasses and we could probably get really close. And we give Mac Jones at 15, which is going to happen. And Mac Jones is not going at 15. All right. Let's <laughs> move on here, okay? All right. We're cutting, we're cutting one team down, David. I want to talk about one more team before we get into the Isaiah Wilson saga, okay? The yeah. last team that is not a winner. I'm not calling them a winner. So nobody paraphrase this and put words in my mouth. I'm not calling this team a winner because if we've seen anything over the last couple of years, this team's not a winner. Um, Houston Texans. I have never – you, David, you were talking about seeing the volume of the New England Patriots, how many moves that they did right in a short amount of time. Houston Texans. What like let, let, let's let's make some sense of this real quick, okay? So there's obviously the Sean Watson rumors, and now with everything that Sean Watson is dealing with, I don't I don't know if he's going to be traded anytime soon. But they they pick up two quarterbacks. It seems like in preparation of Deshaun Watson leaving, they pick up Ryan Finley, who's not good. Tyrod Taylor, who's also not good. They decide like uh, hey, Tyrod was. Tyrod's uh, a good serviceable Tyrod quarterback. Tyrod Taylor's a good backup quarterback. That He's a good serviceable quarterback. Nah, 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 nah. Hopefully his lungs are okay at this point. Yeah, so, but seriously, how's that? Right. We're going to start for his kid, but we're going to puncture your lung. <laughs> and then the guy coming in is going to start the rest of the year because he's like rookie of the year. <laughs> yes. Well, you lost, yeah, you lost your job to literally the, the guy that threw the most touchdowns as a rookie in the history of the NFL. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> It was not a great year for Tyrod Taylor. Talk about, I mean, being a leader all all offseason through COVID, through everything, and then the team doctor punctures your lung. Like, what yes. the heck? If anybody thinks they had a bad 2020, just think about poor Tyrod Taylor's 2020. So, yes. Um, so they get two quarterbacks for Houston Texans. They have an injured injury-prone running back in David Johnson already. So, like, hey, let's add to the cover. Let's get Mark Ingram coming off of injury-plagued year. Philip Lindsay coming off an energy play here. Got they they signed three wide receivers because you know they they traded DeAndre Hopkins last year for nothing and Philip Fuller left this year. So hey, let's get Andre Roberts, Alex Erickson, and Dante Moncrief. I think he's been on like twenty teams in seven years. Like what? Okay, tight ends. Let's add two of them. Why not? Offensive line. Let's add a couple of them. None of them actually being good, by the way. Defensive end Shaq Lawson in the Benardrick McKinney trade. Then they take, and then they're signing guys like Malik Collins, who's a decent little player for six mil, not a bad contract. Camus Grugier Hill, a former Philadelphia Eagle, and they play with the Miami Dolphins as well. He's more of a special teams kind of backup linebacker. Jordan Jenkins, meh. Christian Kirksey, meh. Vernon Hargraves, meh. They got Desmond King on a really nice contract because he's coming off of a not great year. For me, David, like there's a whole lot of meh and a whole lot of volume of of people that were picking up. But like, wow, the turnover in one year, I, I don't even know how to make sense of what is going on in Houston right now. Like, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, it's more of the shit show we've been used to down there. I mean, wow. think about it. We just gave the construction reward to New England because they got two, three, four-year deals going. You look what's going on here in, in uh, you know, Houston. Everything's a one-year deal. It's like they didn't 
put a stitch in anything. It's Band-Aid, 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 Band-Aid. And they're not even strong Band-Aids. Like, this isn't the Band-Aid brand. This isn't Johnson & Johnson. This is that knockoff that doesn't stick to your skin type Band-Aid. I mean, you know, this is the, this is the I'm going to build on matchsticks, not on concrete or, or anything. You know, this is, this is like the bit, you know, this is the, the you know, the big bad wolf. Dave Cassidy come- said it. Dave Cassidy just said it. Demolition yeah. award, baby. The demolition award for tearing down an organization uh, uh, is 100% in effect. I mean, you, you really are just like, man. This is killing me watching this team that once was a, a strong contender for the AFC South divisional title and you know going to the playoffs. I mean, they with were a franchise good, quarterback with yeah, DeAndre Hopkins with Jacob team. And now it's like, man, seeing all these one-year deals and knowing that next year you just signed like 25 guys to one-year deals. And you, and then you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to go out and replace these guys next year. And you, and you didn't have a great roster to start. <laughs> and so now you're gonna have to build not only this year but next year. Like you're all your coach. I mean, this coach, God bless him. David God Culley, bless right? this coach, Holly, Holly from the yeah, Rams, right, wide receiver yeah. coach. Yeah. I mean, he walks into his first head coaching job. That nobody wanted. <laughs> that nobody wanted. But you took, you said, you know what? I got the young quarterback. I'm with you guys. And yeah. then to see the organization do this in free agency, where it's like, Probably. coach, you're not only going to have to field the team this year and get to teach everybody this year, but next year you're going to have to teach everybody your scheme again because we're not signing anybody to pass one year. It's like you don't do that to your coach, man. You got to give them, uh, you got to give them players that definitely will be there for one, two, or two, three years. And not everybody will be two, three years, but to have this many one-year deals is ridiculous for your new head coach. You're not cementing him any kind of success for 2021 or 2022. It's ugly, man. It is ugly. Nick Casario, David Culley, like it is gonna get ugly here, folks. Very well, and I know they didn't have cap room this year. I get it, and I know they don't have much cap room for next year, and I know they don't have a lot of draft picks. Like I get it; it's not easy, Nick. I'm not sitting here bagging on you. Trust me, it it might seem that way, but at the same point, you got to get some of your players or some of the players there for the coaches on two year deals, and and say, listen. I need to have my coach's scheme transfer from this year because it's a brand new scheme for everybody to next year. You got to bridge a couple years of draft picks. You got to bridge a couple years of free agency for your coach. So this way, your coach isn't having to teach his scheme to new players year in and year out, making it hard on him and making his job harder. That's all. Yeah. No. And you know, the good thing though, David, the good thing is like, I was, you know, you know, I'm kind of bringing the draft slant to this little exercise. Well, they don't have, they don't have draft capital. (laughs) Yeah, they don't, they don't have draft capital. They don't have a first pick in what the top 135 or something this year. Crazy. Yeah. And then next year they don't have one for like the top 95 or something. So, you know, the good thing though, the college scouting department, right. That, I mean, GM, right? They're like, oh, we need to really, you know, we need to fill holes in the draft potentially with how bad our roster is. Like, there's plenty of guys to pick from that could be upgrades yeah. for you. So. Yeah. Be, hey, there's plenty of, yeah, you can't go wrong to upgrade at any yeah. position except for quarterback if you keep, if you keep Watson. But if you don't keep Watson and, you know, you trade him for something, you know, again, I, I we talked about it on the Saturday show. I hope these allegations 
aren't true because I think it's awful that if they are true, the extent of the cover-up that would have to have happened with all these accusations coming out and nobody doing anything till now. But let's talk about the business of football. If you're the Houston Texans and you know these allegations were lingering there and you had teams offering you three and four first-round picks and didn't ship him, look how bad of an organization. Your job is to protect the organization over everything else. Yep. So if you're the GM and you know these allegations are there and you have teams willing to give you three and four draft picks, first round draft picks for your guy, mm-hmm. and you didn't take that deal when it was on the table for him, yep. you're more of a shit show than I even gave you credit for. Mm-hmm. Be- and again, I don't want any of these accusations to be right because you know that means too many women were victimized. But obviously it looks like at least one of them at least one of them will come out to be true, and that's too many. Yeah. And so, as a person of the organization protecting the organization, you should have got what you could have for him, yep. and let let them, you know, shipped him out and got him out of your uprooted him out of your organization when he had a premier price tag to him, mm-hmm. and cleansed your building when you could have for the highest price tag. Yeah, and if that one, I, I saw one text that you know didn't look too good for Deshaun Watson. So hopefully, we're wishing, we're hoping for the best. Obviously, again, there's a lot, there's more than just Deshaun Watson being affected in this situation. So like, let's hope for the best. It's not about Deshaun. It's about yeah, it's the young ladies. A, it's it's, it's about the young ladies. Yeah. And and again, that. But I'm saying, as a member of an organization, when you get paid to do your job, which is protect the organization at all costs. Yep. and do what's right for the organization. That's why I always believe in the general manager percent, uh, you know, power power structure yeah. in the org chart because mm-hmm. the, the focus of the general manager is the organization, not winning games. It's the organization, and in matters like this, when you got when you under when you've heard the rumblings, you've done your internal investigation a little bit, you know what's going on, and you can get four draft picks, maybe even three first rounders and a third or whatever. You got to just make the trade and protect the organization. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be dark times coming here for the Houston Texans organization. Let's again hope for the best of the fans and supporters that we come out on the other side of this one. Okay, so, FYI, who's yeah. is this? Your dad in the chat room? <laughs> it is, yeah. Dude, he is cracking me up. Okay, <laughs> he is cracking me up. He's the Patriots overpaid. Dude, the uh, the Patriots overpay for just about everybody. This guy is cracking me. <laughs> I'm gonna give you his number so you guys can talk ball for a little bit. Seriously, him and I are gonna get a beer and we're gonna sit and talk because this is he's he's making me laugh so hard. Well, we're gonna talk I, the Isaiah Wilson saga here to wrap up our podcast. Before we do, Maverick Sports Consulting would like to ask you to follow, subscribe, and take the chance to interact with us on our Twitter, YouTube. Instagram, and other social media platforms. We are a company that is all about helping maximize your opportunities in front of you and your career. The only way we can support you is if we hear from you. Your takeaway from tonight's show should be that if you interact with us, we will find a way to help you in your career path. Reach out and we can do a Mavs episode on your topic, or we could circle back with you to help you and with some individual attention. Don't wait. Reach out today at Mav underscore sports on all social media platforms. All right, David, I want to run through this pretty quick. Obviously, we went long with the free agency, which is to be expected. 
the Isaiah Wilson saga. I'm going to highlight this real quick, okay? So we're talking about, after the 2019 season, a second-team All-SEC selection. My guy is over six foot six, 350 pounds, started 24 of 25 games played for the Bulldogs over his career, came out as a Richard sophomore, was drafted with the 29th overall selection in the 2020 NFL Draft by the Tennessee Titans. And that is the highlight of Isaiah Wilson's professional career because after that, we're talking about he was placed on the reserve COVID list by the team to start of training camp on July 28th. Obviously, there was that big um, there was that big story about him at a breaking proto- uh, COVID protocol to go to some college parties nearby. So people were Which like, Which the oh. cops got called on him because he was uninvited. Yes. And I, I think <laughs> there was somewhere he was like, uh, he was near a balcony or, yeah, it was, it was a mess. It was a mess. So eventually he gets off of that list. He signs his rookie contract. This happened before his rookie contract, by the way, before he signed his four-year rookie contract. But anyway, so then he gets placed on the reserve COVID list again, September 6th in 2020, obviously this past year. He was then activated. He did not play until October 10th. He was not activated. And he was then suspended on December 5th for the Titans' Week 13 game against the Cleveland Browns due to violence of te- viol- sorry, a violation of team rules in which he was reinstated two days later, December 7th, and again placed on another list, the reserve non-football illness list on December 19th. Finished the season playing in a single football game. The Titans' Week 12 victory over the Indianapolis Colts, 45-26, to where he played, I think, three snaps. So in three snaps, that is the to sum up his impact on the Tennessee Titans because then after the offseason, I think it was February 16th, there was a press conference from the Titans' general manager, John Robinson, where he basically said he is going to have to make a, a, a determination on if he wants to do everything necessary to play professional football, and that's going to be on him. I know that the, expo- uh, the expectation level is here. And it's no different than any other player on the football team. We have a certain standard that we want players to prepare and perform at professionally and as people, and there's a lot of work to be done. On February 22nd, six days after that, he posted a tweet that said, I am done with playing football with as a Titan. No further comments. Of course, after that, this relationship is fractured. They, were, they, uh, they actually ended up trading him. To the Miami Dolphins. They traded for a late round, the seventh round selection in the 2022 NFL draft. So a first round pick is swapped for a future seventh round pick. He was then waived by the Miami Dolphins three days later after showing up late for a team physical and missing two workouts. Also a lot of talks of like, hey, the part of this conversation is as the Miami Dolphins, you're coming here. We're getting you a life coach. We're going to get this thing in order. We're going to fix this, this problem. And he's late to team meetings. He doesn't show up to things. He is not, you know, he's not reactive to the help that he's getting. So now at, I think, 21 years old, 22 years old, he's now been on two football teams technically, has played three snaps, a former first-round pick. And, Dave, when we talk about the importance of the interview and getting to know a player, my God, has this gone the worst possible way <laughs> that this has could have gone? My Lord. Yeah, no, I mean, you, 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 you start to learn about players off field concerns. You work hard to know them as people because you're investing in people and people make mistakes, but you need to know what level of mistake a player is going to make mm-hmm. and understand because there's other people 
other players at that spot that value that spot that you could have traded and you could have gotten, you know, at that that position over him. Yep. And at 22, there's still a lot of good players on the board that could have helped the Tennessee Titans out. So from, you know, for the Tennessee Titans, they, they lost out on considerably four or five players that they like just as good as him. And they took him, but they got burned by his off the field. And I, and I, and I think it's drinking. I really do. I think the young man just drinks a lot and he needs to understand that, you know, he needs to get a, get a, get a handle on it. Um, and from my understanding, that's what happened in Miami. He actually showed a plate and had alcohol on his breath to the team physical. And they were like, yo man, seriously. And, you know, it's like, this was your problem in Tennessee. And then you're showing up here with alcohol in your breath and walking in the building. So, you know, that that's just, and, and again, NFL is not a rehab place. Plenty of players go to rehab and they make their way back. As we saw at, you know, Waller for the, the Vegas, you know, tight end. Yep. And, but that's a life decision that he has to make. And now he's out of the NFL when he should be making millions of dollars and securing not only his future, but his family's future. This is a young man that well could have earned a second contract. Like you said, he's only 22 years old. You know, his rookie deal would have been done by 26 and he could have got paid and, and, and really got made a lot of money. And and he plays offensive tackle. He plays, he plays a premier tackle. position. Yeah. And he plays, and he's, he was picked the 29th overall selection. By the Titans, who were just fresh off of an AFC championship performance. So he's a part of a good organization under a good coach in Mike Vrabel. John Robinson's obviously has built a nice roster there. You're you're talking about like this isn't just wealth. This isn't just for your media family. This is generational wealth that you just decided that the now, the having fun, the whatever, whatever's going behind the back scenes, that's more important than taking care of yours. That's what is happening here, which is it's very disappointing, man. And I understand he probably has demons, which like I don't want to comment on a guy's demons because you know addiction is one thing. I don't know if that's what it is, but like there's a lot of demons that everyone deals with. So I don't want to make a speculation at this point. But like from the outside perspective, this is just a damn shame. Well, it is, and then you know, for this young man, I mean, he played at a premier college, you know, team. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and and then he was you know second team all SEC. And he's a guy who, you know, he started 24 out of 25 games while he was at Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a guy that I know going into last year's draft, I really was surprised he lasted this long on the board. But now we're starting to see why, you know, because, you know, he had his demons. People were kind of curious if he was by them, get through them. But as a scout, this is why we go into on-school visits, talking to more than the coaching staff and people around the school and different areas, getting to know them off and away from the field. It matters because this is the kind of stuff you find out. So when you're making an investment in a young man, you know, truly who you're investing in as a person. Absolutely. I, I, I just wanted to talk about this a little bit because obviously it's been a roller coaster to say the least. I mean, like you said, kid was a five-star recruit. Kid started every game but one for the Georgia Bulldogs over two years. Kid was a first-round pick, and it's going all downhill from there. So best wishes to Isaiah Wilson. I hope he gets it figured out. Uh, I really do because this is a waste of talent. This is a waste of potential, and I hate wasted potential. So, Isaiah, hope hope everything gets 
headed in the right direction and you deal with some of those demons. David, want to talk about some of these questions. They're mostly NFL draft specific, so we don't have to bang them all out here, okay? I know you've been doing a little more homework now. You're getting ready for the 2021 NFL draft. You're getting pumped. You're getting ready. So let's go with Mike McAllister. Shout out to Mike McAllister, who's actually writes for SI, covers the Syracuse Orange for SI.com. He said, give me the one signing on or draft pick that will guarantee the Eagles win five straight Super Bowls. I'll hang up and listen later. <laughs> so five straight Super Bowls. Obviously, Mike's being, you know, just slight hyperbole there. Um, Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Take Trey Lance. No. <laughs> that won't solve all their problems. <laughs> I know. They have That's so many a, problems. That won't stop. I mean, they're the, they're the fourth team in the NFC East right now. They, they're chasing – Everybody that what again? I liked what the Giants did in free agency uh, with with Dallas getting Dat back, and then care, and then uh, Washington going and getting Fitz Magic. I mean, oh, they, they're they're going they're, they're chasing. The, I mean, it's just they're running in mud. They got so many problems. They're just running in mud right now. So, dude, it's a it is a oh man, I. I you there know, is no one solution. Dude. Nah, it's a, well, there is none. There is none. I mean, they, and, and their and cap Barty. isn't good. Can they got to they gotta go out. They really got to go out and, and have some hard conversations with themselves, not only this year, but next year, because they got to, they, I mean, being honest, they really got to be eyeballing 2023 as their year, um, you know, and, and doing it because what they have right now isn't going to get it done in 2021. And I think their cap is strapped a little bit hard for 2022 too. So I think it's going to be a situation where they really, they need to be eyeballing 2023 to make sure it's, it's ready to go then. You know, I feel bad for the, for Eagles fans, honestly, because my wife's actually an Eagles fan. And I was talking to her the other day and I'm like, if you had to get a Jersey of an Eagles player right now, who would you get? (laughs) And, And, What's the answer, man? Jalen Hurts? No, thank you. Fletcher Cox, who's not going to be on the team much longer. Lane Johnson, who's 30-something. Like, who is the young – what's the young core that the Philadelphia Eagles have to offer that get you excited? Miles Sanders? Like, who is the guy in Philly right now that gets you pumped for the future? I don't see anything. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, – Nick Sirianni, free- coach, yeah. No, I was going to go their free safety out of Wyoming that they drafted. <laughs> Marcus Epps. Yeah, I'm going best. with Epps. I'm oh going with Epps. My God. If Marcus Epps is your 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 future, if that is the, your core, oh, man. That, you asked what jersey I would buy. I would, I would buy a Marcus Epps jersey. That's what well, I would buy. Well, you, you, have, you, know, you have reasons for that, right? Like I do because I draft. I, I, I like it. <laughs> You like it. Right. I scouted him. I gave him a draftable grade. So, yeah. Right. Right. Yes. But long term, as a fan, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Epson's going to be a good player. I think that's a solid investment. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to revisit that one. Um, Nate, how about this? Ready? Quick quick, uh, quick wager here. If, okay. If Mac Jones gets drafted 15th overall, okay, or top 20. If Mac Jones goes top 20, you have to buy a Malcolm Epps jersey. I'll buy an Epps jersey even without. Oh, just for, just for the hell of it. Because <laughs> I like Epps. But, <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll revisit that time. We'll revisit if Mac Jones goes top 20, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll send you and your wife a steak dinner freaking coupon to whatever restaurant you want to go to. Ruth Chris Steakhouse it is. Sounds good to there me. There it is. I'll All send right. it to you. 
But it is. You know, if he does, I'm whoever, whatever team uh-huh. drafts him top twenty. Yep. And if I know somebody that works for that team, I'm kicking him in the ding ding. <laughs> the ding ding. I'm very very politically correct in the ding ding. Next, that's an old me. okay, young buck. You don't realize because it's an Eddie Murphy reference to a joke uh, that Eddie Murphy what, used what, to. What uh, stand up or a movie? It was and I think it was raw. Dan Cassidy could check me on that, but I think it was in raw beginnings part part. It was a young scene where they kicked him in the ding ding. All right, Dan, throw us throw us in there if you know what movie that's from. Uh looks like Dakota. <laughs> don't worry. I'll, I'll Look at Dan's response. I see it. I see it. <laughs> All right, Dan, I'm sorry, man. I'm not 30 yet. I'm sorry. I'll get there one day. Um next question from sign Chase Daniel. At Turner Price ninety seven, that is that is the app. I like I like that name. It's not me, but yeah, let's go. Yeah, favorite fit for the Chargers at wide receiver in the draft. So we have Mike Williams, who's the big boundary wide receiver, about six foot three, out of Clemson for a few years ago. We got Keenan Allen in the slot, who's the very sh- very shifty route runner type, short handed. Sure handed, yeah, big well, old hands. Well, let's go speed then, right? Because we got the big boundary guy. We got a good slot guy. Let's get some speed. Let's get some speed on the perimeter, right? So let's go. Well, I mean, in a perfect world, let's go Jalen Waddle, right? But like now, it's probably. Where are they picking Waddle. again? Ah, where, does, where do the Chargers pick? They pick like 12, I think they pick- 12, 13, something like that. They're in that they're in that little little bubble there. They're like twelve or thirteen. I don't think Waddle's gonna get there. I think he's gonna go earlier than that, to be honest. If he checks out. I think we just did them on uh, the show today. Yeah, I think it's twelve or thirteen. You can almost quote me on one of those two picks. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So well, I mean speed, right? Like so that so I would go I would think about a player like a Jalen Waddle if he's there, obviously. Um, late, a little later to draft a Tutu Atwell from Louisville is a very fast football player. Um, Anthony Schwartz from Auburn's a very fast football player. I like Amir Smith Marset from Iowa, who's a very fast football player who also can return punts for you and kicks. Um, so for me, add speed now to the big boundary receiver, the slot receiver. Now we get our vertical presence. Then we're cooking with grease. I'd say for the Chargers there. I think 13, 13, you know, if if Waddle or Smith isn't there, which yeah. I think Smith has a chance to be there, I really do. Um, if Smith is there and you don't pick Smith, you're an idiot if you're looking Whoa. for a receiver at 13. Whoa. Seriously, like think about putting the Heisman Trophy winner with the other two that you just said, Mike Williams and, and uh, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. I mean, that, that's a trio that's just like really formidable right there, you know? And, and I think that would be a great trio right there. So, you know, that's what, and, and if Waddle's there, yeah, you should be running the court, the card up there. But if say they don't get it in the first round, you know, and they, and they, you know, I, I don't know again for them. I don't know if they're going to go receiver first round. I think they have some other holes that they might want to sh- sew up before they get to receiver. And it's mainly, tackle. <laughs> it, huh? Their offensive tackle is, it's rough at offensive. Tackle. That's what I'm saying. Like in that, in that, 13 they can get a tackle i think very well could uh wind up with a guy there or they can trade back to still get a tackle because that 13th pick could get really get, get valuable that all being said you know I, and this is a receiver i think deep draft in the second round um or in the third round they can find speed and 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 still get away with it there so yeah no it's a deep wide receiver class uh dan asks is there an edge in quotations, 
worthy of 11. I didn't Dan, don't get my blood boiling with this edge shit. All right, you uh, know better. So, <laughs> so you Dan, know I will better. Say, we talked about it a little bit, Dan. I, I would be very comfortable with taking Aziz Ojolari there if that's the style that they want. I would be very comfortable with taking Greg Rousseau, even though some people wouldn't be comfortable there. I think that there is a lot of upside with a guy like that. So, yes, I think there's a couple guys that I would be comfortable with at 11. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think there's a couple guys at 11 that make sense. Next question, David. Jack Despo, our good friend Jack Despo. Good friend of David Turner, Jack Despo. Good friend of mine, yeah. He wants to know these four players. What are they going to look like in two years? So we're predicting outcomes for these players. Ready, David? Kyle Pitts. What is Kyle Pitts going to be in two years? He will be Vernon Davis. Uh, okay, that's good. Vernon Davis is good. So, all right. So we're talking. We're talking Pro Bowl. What did he weigh in yesterday when he ran his four four three? I didn't catch his I think weight. He was two forty six. Yeah, he'll be Vernon Davis. He'll be Vernon Davis. So, so what we think? Pro Bowl thousand yard receiver, almost somewhere in yeah. that ballpark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, he has Zach Wilson. What will Zach Wilson be like in two years? He'll be <laughs> he'll be appearing in the second uh, the second Water Boy. For right along Adam Sandler, that's what he'll be. He'll be at one of the hubs in two years. Yeah, he'll he'll be my he'll be my staff quarterback at the next hub. Oh, don't do that. Sucking his thumb, going, why am I not in the league? Are you? Because you can't read a defense. That's why. Okay, next one, J.C. Horn. I'll take this one, David. (laughs) I bet you will. (laughs) Look at you, perk up. I'll get this one. Hey, let me talk about J.C. I didn't get to talk about him the whole show. J.C. Horn in two years, I'm going to say, is going to be a team's number one corner. He's going to be the unquestioned top dog in a cornerback room. I think he's still going to be, you know, perfecting his craft. So I'm not going to predict a Pro Bowl. I'm not going to put too much on him. But I'm going to say that he is going to be the lead dog in a cornerback room, the unquestioned number one corner on a football team. I'll just leave a tentative there, okay? Uh, yeah, respect the hub. Hey, I wasn't throwing shade at the hub. I'm just, you know, David doesn't like Zach Wilson. So that was that whole conversation. Uh, <laughs> How can I not time. respect the hub? We had a player signed out right. of the hub this year. Right. My guy, Darius Clark. Yep. So, yeah. Now we can drop his name now that he's officially signed. That's awesome, man. That's so <laughs> cool. Um, last guy they want to ask about. I don't know if you've watched him at all, David, but Kenny Gainwell is a running back out of Memphis. What's he mm. going to be in two years? I couldn't I- tell you. I think he's going to be a better version of Giovanni Bernard. I think that that is who he reminds me of. I think stylistically, he's a third down weapon space player who I think has a little more contact balance and a little bit more of a thicker build than a guy like Gio does. So I think that he can carry a little more volume on the ground. But for me, I think that he is, I I don't think he's going to be a lead ball carrier in two years, but I think he's going to have, a hundred carries and 60 receptions. Like that's the type of player that I see for a guy like a Kenny Gainwell. And I think he's going to be very explosive doing that 160 to 200 touches. So Dan Cassidy, I uh, figure Ryan would protect one. I got to protect one. Man. Gotta protect, <laughs> project. Yeah. I got to protect him. I got to project him to president. Project him to be president. That's freaking awesome. Dan, I love you. Dan, I mean, awesome. I, I would vote for J.C. Horn, especially over some of the candidates we have recently. But that's for a different show, a different time, <laughs> different political conversation. Next question that we have. Um, let's go list here. What do you think about Greg Newsom to the Saints at 28 and how would he fit? I'll bang that out one real quick. Greg Newsom for me, is a guy that whether you're a man-heavy team or a zone-heavy team, I think that he fits both pretty well. I don't think he – I wouldn't say that he is – 
dominant in either one, but I think he's very solid in both. And I think that that every team, no matter what scheme they run, can get a lot out of a guy like a Greg Newsom. I compared him to Darius Slay, who he broke down on Friday Night Scout School. For me, Slay, whether he's in a zone-heavy or a man-heavy scheme, has both traits to do well in both. The New Orleans Saints do run a good combination of both, right? Marshawn Lattimore plays a lot of man. He plays a lot of zone. I think he'll be a great fit at 28. So, next question. <coughs> excuse me, excuse me. Um, oh, these are all draft questions. Um, let's try it. Let's just take one more. Let's take one more. Um, all right, this one. What do I think about Jalen Twyman out of Pittsburgh? I have him as a day three prospect. All right, David, let's paint the picture of Jalen Twyman real quick, and then we'll get out of here, okay? So I'm going to tell you this little tale of a Jalen Twyman if you haven't seen Jalen Twyman play yet. Nah, I like so, I like, I like like Weaver out of Pitt. Weaver's like my Weaver? guy. You like Weaver? He's my guy, yeah. I like slow, Weaver. Oh, man. He's slow. You're slow thinking. Takes him, takes him forever to get out of his stance. He's slow. You're um, full of shit. So Jalen Twyman. In 2019 for the Pitt Panthers, defensive tackle, weighed in at about six foot one and a half. Or That's six, measured in at six foot one and a half. No, I'm at weighed in, by the way. Well, I'm just getting to the weight, okay? So he measured so his height at his pro day was six one and six eighths, I think was actually his official. I'll double check that though. He weighed in at I think 308 pounds or so. I will tell you, in co- his last year in college, because he opted out of the 2020 season. He had like 10 and a half, 11 sacks playing on the interior. He was much closer to about 285, 290. So he opts out of the 2020 season, preparing for his pro day. Obviously, the big thing for him is like people are like, oh, the size, right? The size. Is, is he big enough? So, <clears throat> excuse me, he shows up to the pro day and he's a good 20 something pounds heavier than he probably played at a pit. And the first thing you see him there, David. I'm like, honestly, dude, I saw him and I'm like, oh, he looks a little sloppy, right? Like he looks a little sloppy. So then he is, he benches and he reps out like 40 times. I'm like, okay. So he's been in the weight room at least, right? But then he goes into the, the drills and the testing and he runs like five, five or something like that in the 40 and has some bad, bad explosive numbers. And for a guy that if you pop on the film in 2019, I wouldn't call him a super, like, like he's not a dynamically explosive person, but I would have said like, hey, he probably runs like a five one. And I think his lower body explosive stuff's gonna be pretty solid because he played three tech for the team. Like he's a guy that is pressing, and he had like ten or eleven sacks. Like he's an interior rusher, and I think that he took it way overboard. And I think he thought like, wow, I really need to show that I can pack on this weight. And I don't think that he put on the best weight to be honest. And then he went to the he went to his pro day, and he tested very poorly for the skim for the type of football player that he is. So now, I mean, I had like a late third on him. I think, you know, like I like a lot of what he does. I think that he has good hands. I don't think that he plays with great leverage all the time, despite having natural leverage. I don't think he's the most strong player of all time in the run game. I think that he can get washed out of points. So he overcompensated. And now you compromise what you did. Well, you were a interior rusher and now you are too heavy and you didn't test very well. And now I'm worried to be honest. So a little worried. Yeah. That's honestly, that's a classic, uh, listen to the agents and the, and the agents listen to the wrong scouts. And this is why you hire Maverick sports consulting because we, we can break down the film and really tell you those strengths and weaknesses and, 
honestly, he's, he's not big enough and strong enough to play the nose. So you should have been training for three technique. And again, at three technique, you don't need to be 308. You can play it at 285, 290. And you and maximize your quickness off the ball and, you know, work on that, especially if you're taking a whole year off, you don't need to hit 40 reps. You could cash out at 27 and be strong enough. And, and that, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's ways to position and angle this player to be successful. And it sounds like the way they chose to go, it was, it's not, it's not the right way to go. Um, you know, but again, feel free next draft cycle, whoever the agent is. Hit me up and and we can make sure we keep you from making that mistake again. Dude, I don't want to I don't want to misquote this, but I think it might be Rosenhaus. <laughs> is, is it true? I think it might be, dude. I'm gonna double check that. Don't put me out there. Like, don't put me on blast if I'm if I am completely putting false information out there. But like, I thought I saw that he signed with Rosenhaus. I could be wrong. Well, though. just so you know, Drew, you you know the number. You're in the phone. <laughs> He's got I the can, phone already. Feel free to call me because you're in there and you know how to get a hold of me. We've had plenty of Raider deals, plenty of deals throughout our our career together. Uh, just give me a holler, man. I'll keep you from doing that again. Yeah. Oh man, that pit pro day was so weird though, David, because then he he tested poorly and then they had a safety named Paris Ford, who is um I wasn't a big fan of, but like he's a really nice alley filler, like he's a tough football. I was gonna player. say some pe- some people like him. I know I, I, I didn't love him a ton because I just didn't see an impact against the pass. Like for me, he's just purely a run stopping defender, which is fine. But like he also isn't the most Built guy, like he's not the most physically imposing guy. So I'm like, is he going to hold up in that role? What's his, what's he going to be like in special teams? Like that's kind of like my thought process. So I was like, he's a midday three guy for me. You know, he showed up through David at like he was a little shade over six foot, 197 pounds. Good size. And, yeah, he ran four nine. Bad time. Very bad time. Twenty eight and a half inch vertical. Oh, that's terrible. And ran like a four five in the short shuttle. In the short shuttle, yes, ran like a four or five in the short shuttle. I had like a seven something in the, like a like a high seven or like an eight in the three cone, like awful. And he t- he he opted out after like the fifth game of the season. I'm like, what have you been doing? Well, again, back to my back to my theory about quitters, Ryan. Quitters, oh, don't, don't stop. Who starts advice and finish? Don't finish it. Quitters. It's all about the mentality of quitters. We've is had that, this conversation before. Is that what this is about? Is that it's what all this about is quitting, about, baby? It's all okay. about quitting. Can't well, have we, quitters. We can't we've got, have quitters. You know what, though? I think everybody didn't quit on us tonight that is still in the chat. Okay, I know. It's been a long eight, one. <laughs> it's been a long one. But we appreciate you. And we appreciate everybody that took a, took a, uh, took a time out of their schedule tonight to stay with us throughout the entirety of the show. You guys are the best. You're what keeps us going every week. If you could all out there. Make sure that you like, share, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. I'm at Rise and Draft. David is at Mav underscore sports. If you go on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform that you prefer, you can send us a review. Give us a nice five-star rating. Tell them that Ryan Roberts is the greatest person you've ever talked to. Yeah, feel free to lie about him. Yes, you could lie to me as long as you give me the five-star rating. So (laughs) (laughs) I'll completely lie to me. But... (sighs) On a serious note, this has been a fun episode. We'll see what we're cooking up next week. But we want to thank you all again for joining us, Math Sports Take Episode 33. We'll see you same time, same place next week to get you to talk the business and sports, uh, the business of sports and everything 
NFL, NFL draft, college football, the whole sports world in general. We appreciate you all so much. Hope everybody has it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick.sportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.